Welcome to the show. We're just a couple of friends inside a refrigerator. Friends in the fridge. Fridge Friends Podcast. Video games and yeah, stuff? Yeah, he or? plays video games, mostly Minecraft, and I have to record okay. him on my phone. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's what this is, mostly is on, yeah. on the phones, but I just wire them all through the, all this shit, because before, I got some uh, HD cameras, and the way that those work is, like, not near as good as phone quality nowadays, yeah. unless you buy, like, higher-end, $1,000 cameras, it's like, phone's already got a good camera 
just use that. <laughs> right. Yeah. That phone's actually my son's phone. And I was like, I'll upgrade your phone, but we could both use it for both the shows, you know, because he needed something to record yeah. his show on and do his little videos and stuff. So. Ah. That's cute. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Fridge Friends Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Martin, and I'm very excited to have a special guest in the show, Ginger, also known as the Red Empress. <laughs> yeah, I made it here. You live so in the wilds of, <laughs> of Boise out off the charted map. My GPS even told me, like, it had a little icon come up and it goes, here there be dragons. I didn't know it could do that. <laughs> this used to be like the real wild before a couple years ago. It was like all farmland and stuff out here. Yeah. But it's a little out there. Especially, it is way out there. Especially from downtown. It takes me a half hour to get to the downtown mics. Like, yeah. It's technically Boise, but it's also like bordering Meridian, bordering Cuna. So it's like right in the fucking... Yeah, it's way out in the nether regions. <laughs> you could tell people to come and touch your nether regions. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have to find it, right? They have to find the nether regions. Some people are good at that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've known each other a little while, but I honestly don't know a lot about like all the different stuff that you do because I know you're involved in a lot of different entertainment stuff. And that's one of the main things I was excited to have you on the show about is to get to know you better and get to know all the different things that you do better because we've only performed together doing like stand-up shows variety shows yeah i actually had uh my very first book show was a show that you were producing at watson's yeah, i booked yeah. you that was me. yeah it was my, my first show it was, uh a little over a month after i started doing stand-up and i have a funny story from that show because it was like a a variety show where we had all different performances and right before I went to do stand-up, you did burlesque. And then I was nervous going on stage. I didn't realize you left all your clothes on the stage. <laughs> I didn't realize I did either until I got in the back. And I'm like, I can't get dressed. Yeah, and I'm just <laughs> up there like doing jokes and don't realize that there's a pile of clothes behind the stage. And then later when I looked at the video of my set, I see you like try to like come out and get the clothes. And then the whole time I'm oblivious and the crowd probably thought that was even funnier. But Yeah. Nothing like forgetting where your skivvies are. <laughs> Oops. So yeah, like one of the reasons why I booked you is because you are so warm and inviting with people and you're very dynamic with your marketing. You're so good at marketing yourself and other people online yeah. and, and out in the world and good at networking. And I'm like, this, this guy's going somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I, I try hard to get my stuff out as much as I can. Cause it's like, whatever, whatever little bit of, uh, stage time I can get or shows I can get on or different things I can try. It's always better for everyone. The more people that are there. So yeah. like if I can do my part in getting people there, I'm always do I'll send messages, put up posts, make little videos, whatever I could do that maybe will get someone to get there, laugh, have a good time, you know? Yeah. And 
if I don't have a giant following because I haven't been doing it forever, that's the least I could do, right? <laughs> you know? Right. Well, and there's a lot of people that are performers in a variety of ways that may have been more seasoned than you were at the time, but didn't really self-promote, and that's a big, important thing. And also, sometimes... And, and I've even had my stint of doing this too. Sometimes we get so used to um, our own ego and yeah, I know what I'm doing in the, in the entertainment industry so I can just show up and be a drunk and do whatever. <laughs> yeah. And that's most not, comics for sure. <laughs> a lot of comics do that and, and not really focus on my crafting and doing the things that are supposed to go with being an entertainer being sure that the crowd is happy, being sure I'm crowd warming before and after what it is I'm supposed to do. And you always do that. And it's a good reminder that you always need to be focused on when you are at a show, you are there to be an entertainer. Yeah. And, and, and we forget, like, it's easy to forget after doing it for so long and you just kind of go through the motions and, yeah, I know what I'm doing and I'm great and I'm glorious. Yeah, you get and, comfortable with, like, hey, I know this 20 minutes I'm going to be fire, so I don't really have to do anything outside of that. And it's like, well, actually, <laughs> there's a whole bunch of different aspects to it. Yeah. I had one person on this show who had been doing it uh, a little bit longer than me and was complaining about how, he sees other people getting booked for shows and doesn't get a lot of bookings and stuff like that. And there were some other comics on the show. We were doing like four or five people at the time. And they all had that same exact thing to say that like, there's more to it than just your little stage performance. So that's a small part of it. Like, yeah, you gotta be funny or you gotta put on a good show depending on what you're trying to do. But you also have to bring something to the table that people are going to want, you know, look at before the show, look at after the show, come to more shows, come to that show, something, you know? Yeah. You definitely have to do all of your crafting for whatever it is. The art is you're doing. You have to, the minute you walk in that building, you are on and the minute you're on until the second you leave. Yeah. And you need to remember that when you go, and so you're so good at remembering that. It's a good reminder for me, too. Like, sometimes we all do it. We get, like, where we're just going through our emotions, like I was saying. And so good for you. And it's so fun to be on here and doing this because you didn't start this too long ago, I don't think. No. It's uh, already got a good following. Yeah, maybe about six months ago. And yeah. when I first started it, it was not very good. Because <laughs> I taught myself, like, all the audio engineering side of it. And I used to have a terrible computer that would, like, crash on me during episodes or mess up the audio and stuff. And I was just, like, figuring it out as I went. But I didn't want to wait until I figured all that stuff out to start the show. Because I figure the more I do the show, the better I'm going to get. So why not just start it right now? And then by the time I'm good at all the technical stuff of it, I'm also good at this part of it. <laughs> you know? Exactly that. It's it's okay to cut your teeth. People always want to be so grandiose right away. Yeah. And so big and I'm... I'm all of a sudden going to be DJ Aoki. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or I'm I'm going to now 
be the next big name in comedy and I'm going to go be Joe Rogan and have the biggest podcast and it doesn't ever start that way. Even yeah. Joe Rogan wasn't Joe Rogan when yeah, he started. Yeah, 2,000 something <laughs> episodes before he got that big deal that everyone's like talking that's about and everything. Right. It's like, if you did an episode every week for five years, that's not 2,000 episodes. No. So that's a long time behind the mics before yeah. he figured out how to be like the biggest podcaster, you know. And I think that's true with everything, but it's real easy, especially I noticed in myself, to come up with excuses for like why you can't do stuff. So if I'm like, oh, I don't know how to do this editing part, or I don't know how to do this video part, or this audio part, then that could be an excuse for me to like not start it. Or I could just start it, know there's going to be problems, figure them out as I go, and then I don't have any reason why I'm not getting better at it or not producing content, you know? Yeah, it's important to enjoy the part where you're bad. Yeah. Where you're super bad. <laughs> yeah. And go, yeah, I'm going to look back and laugh at this so hard later when I'm good, and it's going to be great, and I'm going to refer people to go back and look at this, and they're going to love it because it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> and well, and they see that growth too. Yeah, and they see exactly. They see the growth and and the way that things came into fruition and being and I think that's really inspiring, not just suddenly I'm great. Like that's yeah. that's not really achievement. Achievement is doing all the behind the scenes work. Like uh with my entertainment company, people get to see me go up and they get to see me be the empress on stage. Mm -hmm. And we kind of make fun of a social hierarchy by having me be an empress and having people have titles, but we are joking. Yeah. I promise you we're joking. It's not so glamorous behind the <laughs> scenes. Before the show, I'm in my fancy outfit and my tiara and my tall shoes. Uh, moving tables and chairs, and <laughs> 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 trying to figure out how to stack stuff in stiletto heels. It is not glamorous at all. And show day is so rewarding, but it is also so messy. And by the time you actually get to the part of the show where people are showing up, you're already exhausted <laughs> yeah, and not ready to be awesome, but you have to be awesome. So you have to go sparkle and be dynamic and and exciting. I already used the word dynamic, didn't I? But that's <laughs> a great have, word. It's a good word. <laughs> and you have to go be so exciting and shiny. And energy drinks help for that. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm always drinking energy drinks on the way to the show every time, even if yeah. I'm like shows not till eleven o'clock at night. Guess I'm drinking Red Bull at ten thirty. Right. That is a rock star in my wine glass, guys. <laughs> it's such a lie that I'm walking around drinking anything other than an energy drink most of the time. <laughs> it's red. <laughs> well, but, yeah. With the production company, like you're kind of talking about how uh, it looks really glamorous from the audience and everything when they see the stage performance. But I'm sure also in starting that, it was a lot of work just to figure out like what exactly your performance is going to be, what exactly you want the venues to be. Probably performed at a lot of places that weren't necessarily the right place for those shows or somewhere you'd want to go back to and then found your areas that you're like, this is the perfect place. I'm going to do a monthly here. I'm going to do shows yeah. here whenever they ask me to and and even still you'll have that like maybe the venue you really like has closed and you have to go try out a few or maybe they've changed owners or policies or something so you go try new spaces to see how you like it and 
with Wicked Wonderland Empire, it is actually an empire. It started. That's out, the name of your production company, yes. Wicked Wonderland Empire. Yeah, it started out just being Wicked Wonderland. Um, I had a partner. He was the Wonderland part. I am the Wicked part. Oh, okay. <laughs> and that was my title when I was mostly just a dancer, and so it was Ginger the Wicked, and so we had Wicked Wonderland, mm-hmm. and um. He still participates in shows quite a bit, but it's... Yeah, so you guys had a, a show going in uh, Vegas coming up to, where yeah, uh, Emmanuel will be DJing as DJ Pig, and then you're doing, uh, I think it said the Red Queen on that flyer, but maybe that was a misprint. People still remember me as the Red Queen. I, I progressed. Um, so it started out as just being Ginger, and then I got a queenly title, and then in 2016, we had... A big vote. I was making fun of the elections at the time. Yeah. (laughs) So we had a big vote on whether or not I was going to become Empress because by then Wicked Wonderland was already an empire. We do run shows in multiple cities in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, and then Canada and sometimes Mexico. And I have a record label that's pretty small and doesn't really do a lot, but it exists and it's global and it's backed by Gramercy which is the largest okay. distribution company in the world, I think yeah, so. Yeah, I didn't even realize and, you you did any music under that company at yeah, all. Yeah, and so we have music that is all over the world. And wow. the royalties are super tiny because a lot of streaming, and that's the way it is for royalties. With yeah. You need to sign on to a mainstream. I, I think live shows is like happen. the only way you're getting money mm-hmm. for music nowadays. A lot, yeah, and merchandising and things yeah, like that. Yeah, advertising, so, yeah. stuff like that. That makes sense. Yeah, with streaming services the way it is now, you have to have so many thousands of plays before you even make one whole penny. Yeah, that's <laughs> the thing with podcasting. I've spent yeah. a lot on this show, and I have one uh, advertiser thing that's through Anchor. It's like if you have like 10 people watching your show, they give you an opportunity to do it. So it's pretty much anyone could do it. But it's like a penny for thousands of views, yeah. and then yeah, they have thousands of people it. watch. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I've never, I've never cashed in on that aspect of it because it's like four dollars at this point, you know, for all the episodes I've done. Yeah, streaming is a lot more marketing your other stuff than anything, and just yeah, for passion and fun. And so if you're good at it, it creates a certain synergy where your other stuff, like running shows, people want to then come to see you do comedy Mm -hmm. or people then want to come to my parties. And so, yeah, um, I am performing in Vegas next week. And so that's on the 3rd, I think. That's Friday. Um, The 3rd of February? Yeah. Okay. This show we pre-record, so this will actually probably come out after that show. Oh well, then I'll come back to Vegas, Ray. Yeah, it's not live. That also (laughs) takes a little of the pressure off because if you know you say something, you're like, I didn't want that. I just cut it out in editing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's a good way to go. It's okay to not do everything live. It really is. Um, Well, it's the only way I can plan to like make sure I get an episode out every week because I have a busy schedule. Most people in the entertainment entertainment industry have a busy schedule too and so like working it out to where i can have a few episodes in advance allows me to like not stress out and be super anxious about how am i going to get this show out in a couple days if i already have a few banks and it's like all right i'll do this one and then this one and then it also allows me to do cool stuff like uh 
this episode's coming out in February. I'm doing all female guests in February. Nice. Yeah, so I couldn't make sure that that would happen if I was doing everyone live because if someone canceled on me, especially in Boise, it's harder to find female entertainers than male entertainers. So it's like, I only have this pool to choose from as opposed to a larger pool. Then if someone cancels on me and I was doing it live, I'd be like, oh no, let me call one of the other 20 like right. female entertainers I know Hopefully instead of the free, 60 right? male ones, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you talk about that on your podcast so people get, this is how this works. Yeah. It's not just magically happening. This is how this works. And you have to do booking and you have to do planning and you have to consider it. Because, yeah, I've come up against that a lot in doing shows that people just think stuff magically happens. Like, why can't you get Rob Zombie to come and play? But we also want it to be a free show. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. God, why can't I do that with all of my millions? Um, Gee, I suck. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have some friends that run a, a music festival and they have a hard time with people complaining about like pre-sales and like not wanting to buy tickets a month or two months or even three months in advance for a three-day festival and they offer better deals the like earlier you buy it and that's because that's their budget for the festival (laughs) is like a lot of its ticket sales going into that they might get a little bit from advertisers or something but you have to pay artists and know that you're going to be able to pay them and the bigger artists you get the more money it is so you kind of decide how big you can go based on how much money you're going to make off the ticket sales and off the door if you don't know people are coming to the show then you're not getting rob zombie you know no a lot of how you um pay the deposits and stuff like that might be pre-sales so sometimes you can't even announce who your big name is yet yeah yeah special guest (laughs) be a surprise uh, and often how I've paid for Wicked Wonderland parties was off a strip of money, man. I, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'd go and dance and earn the money to pay the deposits, and that's yeah. how I paid for it. And then so. just pay yourself back in the end Yeah. Or if you make enough off of it, you know. But Yeah, generally I don't take baths on shows. I'm very good at calculating risks these days, but... I got very good from cutting my teeth and from getting other people to train me. So, like, the very first time I went to throw a big party, I hired somebody that was another promoter in the EDM scene. So, I mostly run goth industrial shows, but I Mm -hmm. hired a promoter from the EDM scene, and I paid him quite a bit of money to show me how to do this. Yeah. And how to do it correctly. And he was already running successful shows, so you're like, oh, this guy knows. Yeah, and so I'm like, I will pay you a bunch of money, and you help show me, and we'll pick out together who we book, and you show me how to do the scheduling, and you show me how to do the equipment. And I did that for my first several shows. Um, That's a smart plan. It's basically like having a, a mentor that you're bringing in more as a partner short term just so you can learn the ropes from them. And then you're able to go off and do your own thing and you already have money that you've hustled up to to back your own shows so that it's not like if one show fails, then I'm sunk, you know? Yeah, exactly. And he knew that's what I was doing. So I wasn't pretending like he was a partner or anything like that, um, that he was shadow promoting for me. And 
that this is why I'm doing it. So I wasn't undercutting anybody, but mm -hmm. also I get so many people that think they're going to start out as promoters and they're like, yeah, can you help me get people to the show? And they expect me to do all of the work I would normally do for a show that I would put on for myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I would never expect that. I would expect to pay people to do what they do in some way. And we do get some performers yeah, that just want to do it for doing it. And some of them are relatively well off. So the normal promoter pay is like, I don't even want that. But not everybody wants money. Some people want the prestige mm -hmm. and that's fine. Some people want to be able to go and do something crazy, like have hooks in their body and have the video of them doing that. Yeah, and the experience. And... Yeah, and that was their life experience. So for yeah, them, you that's do some like, wild shows. Yeah, I do crazy shows. I put on fetish events and goth industrial things. And then, um, and all of that is really fun. And so um, my next show that I'm doing is a vampire ball. And that is... February. And that's always a big event. Yeah, it's almost sold out already. So the I think the VIP is sold out. Um, and then now we just have to sell the rest of the GA. So it's February 23rd, I think, at the Neurolux. Okay. Um, I'll if, make sure this comes out before that for sure. Yeah. So well, February 23rd, you might have a chance to get tickets at the door <laughs> for the Vampire Fetish Ball. Yeah, but it's probably a good idea to... <laughs> and then um my one after that has already got a lot of ticket sales and pretty close to selling out too at least the vip and that's the clockwork carnival and it's april 28th at the shredder um with voltaire and voltaire Ooh. has done music for cartoon network like the grim adventures of billy and mandy yeah. um, he's done stuff on the sci-fi channel uh, he has books and videos and all kinds of stuff out and a lot of music. He also does, I forget the name of it, but some sort of gothic homemaking show online that is wonderful. Um, That's pretty cool. Like yeah, <laughs> the and, gothic Martha Stewart. <laughs> yeah, and talk about an entertainer. He has got that down that the second you enter the building from the time you leave and he is always out doing his crowd work after the show and being sure and doing his own merch sales and being sure that he's signing autographs and posing for pictures and that everybody that is at the show is entertained i love booking him for shows yeah like that's that. awesome yeah. well and the shredder is a badass venue too i love that yeah, place <laughs> and to be able to pack it out and sell it out that's a big deal because that is a big venue it swallows 100 people so yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to get many hundreds of people to to be able to sell out the shredder it's good that's cool are you guys yeah. doing the suspension stuff at that one too or is it more no, of a music it's steampunk it's a okay. steampunk show um, so the suspensions will be for fetish ball. That'll be sometime in June. I haven't picked a date yet. I need okay. To. Um, but you can find information about all of these shows on Wicked Wonderland Empire on just about any platform. Um, some of them I'm better at keeping up than others, but we are on just about. That's the hardest thing is there's so many different platforms and then you get, you know, 
four different accounts to promote all of your stuff through all the different ones and you're like yeah. updating them constantly and then you run multiple shows and different types of and styles of stuff so like every morning doing twitter instagram <laughs> facebook yeah. like all of this different stuff that's a lot you can almost full-time only do that and then not focus on your art at all yeah so it's important to find a balance like Neil Gaiman was talking about how I've become a person that professionally answers emails. I need to focus on the <laughs> <Yeah>. book. <laughs> and so it's really important to let some stuff go a little bit and not necessarily always update everything. I know that sounds terrible, but if that is all you are doing, that is all you are doing. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. When I think people can easily get swallowed up by that, too, especially as they start to grow because they're like, Oh, this is what made people start going to my stuff. So this has to be the most important. But they forget people were going to your stuff because it was a good show. Yeah. You can't just do that same thing every time. And if you don't practice it, it's not going to be the same thing every time. So you have to put at least equal work into both sides of it. Rehearsal time. It's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been struggling right now recently because I uh, started doing some night work. And that's the worst thing ever for comedy. And now, like, between all the things I'm juggling, I'm getting less time to do the open mics. And I'm like, I always have time for shows. But if you don't do enough open mics practicing for comedy, then when you go to do the show, you're going to be rusty. And, like, that's the worst thing ever to do. Yeah, there's a balance to be had there, too. Because if all you're ever doing is open mics, that is also all you're ever doing. And I watch people yeah, that's true. their... their career is so bad doing that because then they start developing a really bad alcohol problem mm -hmm. and people don't really want to go to their shows because they can go watch them do their two to three minutes at any open mic any night of the week and so yeah. it's not a surprise what well yeah and if you only have 20 minutes then it's yeah. only a couple sets before people have seen all your stuff for free <laughs> yeah exactly so there is a balance to be had like open mics are important but also not doing every open mic ever is yeah. also important. You got to find that balance. Yeah. You know? And that's the same as also doing your social media. Like, otherwise you're just a person that sits at home professionally answering emails. Yeah. And <laughs> not updating everything that you have. And it's nice when you can have it piggyback off of each other. So you do one post and it sends to multiple things. Yeah, that's or, the best. There's some yeah. good apps for that too, where you can post into an app and then have all your different accounts linked to it and then it'll spread it across them. Yeah, I try to do that for my Instagram yeah. um, as much as possible. Sometimes it doesn't always update everything. Yeah, <laughs> and then you don't know because you're just assuming it did, and they're right. like, oh. Yeah, and it's also nice if you can get to be big enough to have, like, somebody that professionally does that for you, but, man, that's a long way off. Yeah. Even for me, like, I'm doing shows all over the place, and it doesn't generate the kind of revenue to have somebody full-time do that, so you almost have to trade them for, for like skincare products which is my day job <laughs> yeah. like you're always going to have a day job too i i know people that i personally know that are super famous rock stars and a lot of people don't know this it's like a secret that work in doing 
IT mm -hmm. in New York. And that's their day job, and then they go tour once a year. Yeah, being well, super every, everything's Russia. expensive, especially yeah. if you live in New York. Especially and then people tend York. to think that because you're getting up on stages that you're like getting a lot of money. It's like no, no that's not really the case, especially if it's traveling work. If yeah. not, if that's not all comped. Think of how much money it costs that person to do that little bit of time that they're doing up there, you know? Yeah. But people don't see it like that, and they just think, like, oh, you're doing well because I keep seeing your name on all these things. And it's like, yeah, I'm doing a lot of shows, <laughs> but I still do DoorDash or whatever works, you know, whatever the situation is. Well, and I forget which comedian was talking about this, but if you don't have a day job to ground you, your comedy starts to suck mm -hmm. because you're no longer relatable. Yeah. You don't have anything to talk about that your audience members know about. All you have to talk about is life on, a, on the road. And they're not doing that. Oh, yeah. So I, the jokes that's where you get funny, all those airport but... jokes. Uh, why yeah. so many comedians <laughs> do that? And it's like, well, not everyone flies as much as you guys. <laughs> right. And I think your art really suffers no matter what you're doing if you don't have something to ground you and mm -hmm. keep you being a person yeah. instead of your persona. Definitely. You know? and, and you're going to have a stage persona that is a projection of you but isn't necessarily all of well-rounded you. Mm -hmm. And God, I certainly hope not because if you're up there for only 20 minutes and all you have to yourself is 20 minutes mm -hmm. <laughs> that's not a lot of person there <laughs> no not at all <laughs> you know if all you have is your stage show doing um band performance which i also have a band it's called lithium dolls I am okay terrible at keeping lithium what kind dolls of music is that up. It's Daltronica. <laughs> Daltronica, that sounds interesting. Some type of random electronic music. Um, it would mostly have been considered back in the 90s something like acid jazz. <laughs> okay. Um, and acid jazz is not really jazz. Um, <laughs> it's so, heavier on the acid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... It'd be something a little more like like the band Lucia, Lucius Jackson, mm -hmm. right? Or uh, what's another one that I really like? Uh, Veruca Salt, perhaps. Okay. Might have been in there, just like indie rock. Um, and so we do electronic music, and we are creepy dolls doing creepy doll things, and there's blood, and there's knives, and there's titties and it's great and it's not really appropriate for younger viewers <laughs> yeah. and i'm really bad at keeping up on the social media on that and keeping stuff updated online we do, yeah i didn't even know that you were a part of a band yeah we we do get really good bookings for how much and we have a good following for how much I don't put things online for that almost at all. <laughs> and I should. Part of why I don't is because I keep losing the passwords. <laughs> yeah. Well, one good thing about music for sure is that like your fan base seems to be like real loyal. And once mm -hmm. it, somebody's like, oh, I'm into that, they're into that. And they have it saved on playlists or whatever. So even if it's not constantly like, in their feed of like oh coming up this weekend we got this going on like you promote with a lot of your yeah. other stuff they're listening to that and it's in their mind every you know time that they press play on that playlist they're like oh yeah check remember when i went to this show so it kind of has that more of like a staying power not a lot of people are like 
I know personally, I take a lot of pictures of my phone. I never look back at them unless they're <laughs> for something. So I'm not like, oh yeah, remember three months ago we went to this event or whatever. That's something you got to be reminded of more. Whereas the music is like, you're almost reminding yourself of it more. Yeah. And with Lithium Dolls, we only play a few festivals a year. Oh, okay. Um, and big shows. And so we're not doing a lot of local shows or small things or touring around a whole lot. It is mostly a few big shows a year. And somehow we sustain that way and we make good money doing that oh i bumped the microphone and and we're pretty (laughs) well known for doing that we have a great following um there are some big name bands that we perform with that take pictures of the doll we sell dolls okay uh, as merch so we find like barbies or other thrift store dolls and we put slutty outfits on them and we modify them to look like us and oh, that's pretty crazy cool. Makeup. Yeah. And you make them, so like yeah. each one's unique. That's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, there are no two lithium dolls alike when we sell them. And so we sell them as merch, and they will totally be bought out every time. Somebody will just come and buy all of them. And we usually give away a lithium doll to whatever other bands we're performing with. Mm-hmm. And we get the most interesting pictures back. They'll take them, <laughs> and they'll take pictures of them from all over the world or sitting in their in their studio or on their desk or whatever it's kind of like the traveling gnome yeah lithium doll and and so it's a lot of fun seeing where the lithium dolls get to go that's super cool (laughs) yeah one you could always use that for promotion too like yeah yeah i'm sure you have a good collection of a bunch of crazy photos (laughs) of what people are doing with these dolls and then eventually you chop that up into a thing of like this doll's traveling the world doing all this crazy shit. <laughs> yeah, the person that sends us the most over the years is Kaiser Von Loopy from Hansel and Gretel. <laughs> he faithfully sends us doll pictures. <laughs> and I should post them more often because yeah. it's great. And so you should you should buy uh Hansel and Gretel's music and their merch because they're wonderful and they're really fun people. They're so nice. Oh yeah. Yeah. And they originally <laughs> got that doll from doing a show with lithium dolls. Yeah, we played a show together in Spokane and they had somebody drink beer out of my boot and <laughs> it was oh, yeah. good times. They um, sound like fun people. <laughs> yeah, they are super fun people. They put on the best stage show. So if you have a chance to ever go see them live you must you absolutely must go see them live and if you're lucky they will make you drink beer out of some random girl's boot (laughs) (laughs) i'm big into live entertainment so the stage show is the most important thing to me about a band like yeah it's i've seen some really big name acts live that i was like Uh, i know disappointed It'll be so just like okay well that was great there was a lot of lights and we did things and awesome and now you're gone yeah and you just go out play your album leave it's like what <laughs> you yeah. know? i like a doll show to be fully interactive i like I, I get my dancers to go off the stage and sometimes i do too i'll go and tie somebody up or strangle them or whatever yeah. <laughs> and i'll get my dancers to go run around and they have little pill bottles that are full of candies it's usually smarties or not smarties um 
Oh god, sprees. I said the wrong Spree. thing. It's usually okay. sprees because they look like brightly colored little pills. Yeah, like lithium. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> fun, fun. <laughs> and so I'll have them go hand them out and, and have everybody like eat the pills at the show. And one time we were performing too in Salt Lake and it was on Halloween and we were with uh, Tragic Black which is also another really good band but my dolls were going out trying to do this and it's salt lake city and you can really tell that the community there at the time and this was a number of years ago but you could really tell that they were the kinds of people that were raised mormon and may or may not still be mormon goths because yeah. they were trying to hand out the pill candies and everyone refused them. The entire room. <laughs> they're, they're like, we like, don't do drugs. That? Yeah. yeah It'd be totally funny if you guys ever got pulled over on the way to a show and that you got to explain, yeah. like, hey, I have 60 pill bottles full of brightly colored pills, but they're just candy. It has happened. <laughs> that was a lot of explaining to do, and it was hilarious. I told them we were in a straight edge goth band that was advocating against taking um prescription medications recreationally oh. and they believed me and then they're like all for you too they're like yeah don't do drugs <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they thought that was great and then they wanted to talk the cop wanted to talk all about how that's a real problem in the u.s <laughs> he was <laughs> yeah. so nice to us after that and i could not believe that that was that was the way to talk yourself out of a ticket. Not showing your tits. Yeah. And just <laughs> say any... you're anti-prescription pills. Don't take drugs, kids. Was that you also in Utah? Cop... No, that was here in Boise. You oh, gotta tell I'm the cop, don't to your take tits. drugs, kids. Don't take drugs. And the cop will probably like you. <laughs> I have a hard time with cops liking me. <laughs> you know... Generally, I have a hard time with that, too, but um, they appreciated that story, and so now I know that's the thing to say every time. Yeah. They, they kept us on the side of the road for more than half an hour talking about the problems of prescription medication, and they were so nice. And I feel a little guilty telling that story because I've clearly made this person kind of like... <laughs> yeah, they like, felt like they were doing oh, the cat. community a big favor and shit. <laughs> That's so funny. And I mean, maybe I guess our our songs are about that because um, I it originally formed in that way that I didn't want to be taking antidepressants for medic for depression that I had at the time. I no longer have it. I wanted to do things with supplements and so forth, and so that was like a big conversation. And one of my DJs that was uh, performing a, at a show that I had when I was forming this band, mm -hmm. I was talking with them all about that, and they're like, yeah, I don't want to be some lithium doll like in the corner, and I'm like, hey. <laughs> can, I, can I use that? <laughs> yeah, like, I don't want to be a lithium doll either, but I do want to be a lithium doll. <laughs> right? And so that's what we did. And so the songs are all about like the creepy, weird stuff that goes on in your head when you're crazy. <laughs> well, and that's a, a good thing to talk about because a lot yeah. of people have those issues and don't like feel comfortable talking about it or feel like isolated or alienated for having those problems. And so to have like 
a fun, exciting way to express that to people. I'm sure that the audience is really like that. And then people that like follow the music that that helps them get through their own struggles and stuff that they deal with, you know? Exactly. And if you have an outlet for it and you're having a good time expressing that outlet, you're less likely to get stabby in real life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, that's like you know metal music. They get a chance to go up there yeah. and yell and scream on stage, and they don't have to like come home and yell and scream or yell and scream in their car in traffic or Work whatever the situation. The mosh pit, man. Work yeah. out in the mosh pit. Go slam around, and you will feel great about life after that, yeah. and not feel the need to go punch somebody in real life. <laughs> Yeah, and plus, if you are going into the mosh pit, you signed up to get punched and kicked and punch and kick. So, I mean, that's what the whole fucking point of it is. Yeah. (laughs) You have asked to be here. That is okay, then. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I have uh, went to... I'm trying to think of what this band was. I was at a mosh pit at the Revolution concert house and I had like harness boots on that have a heel on it and somebody kicked the heel completely off my shit in the mosh pit. Yeah. <laughs> it was a fun ass concert. That's oh, in wonderful. this moment. That's what it was. I yeah. It was it was a badass show. I actually have a story about that that a long time ago before they were well known and famous I hosted them here in Boise. Oh, really? Yeah, at the Red Room. I can't remember if it was at the time called the Red Room or Terrapin Station. Okay. I totally hosted them. And I sometimes wonder if I'm responsible for them getting dancers because (laughs) I remember talking to her about, yeah, you know, I put go-go's up with them and saying, yeah, you know, you guys could really use some dancers in this. I don't know if I'm. It definitely brings up the show, the credit, yeah. But I know that at the time they did not have dancers, and we talked about it, and so maybe not, because I'm sure I was totally forgettable as the Boise show. Well, I mean, happened. they might not have started doing it every time right after that, but they definitely do it now. So, like, now. you so, played a role in that, especially if they maybe. didn't bring dancers with them, and you were putting them up there. Then maybe that was their first experience of like, hey, maybe this is a good idea. Yeah, yeah. I totally have one of their earlier albums when they had just first signed to the label, and it does not at all sound like them now. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> they were still metal. It's just they, like we were talking about, like cutting teeth, they evolved. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I thought that was a really great life experience, and so it was it's cool. I don't usually boast or name drop like that, except for if I'm going to oh, be on you my should... friend's podcast. <laughs> you so should be you proud. Can tag you should all be... these people. You should in be the proud thing. of doing shows within this moment. They're I fucking did. badass. And I often don't talk about it because I still can't believe that happened, and they did not look the same. <laughs> well, and her voice is crazy too. She's got a wonderful voice. Oh my god, she is a goddess. She is a total metal queen. I love her. And so, yeah, you know, that that was a really great experience to be able to have them come and play and perform here in it, Boise, Idaho. I feel like that's something that a lot of people don't realize, too, is how much people change as artists over the course of their mm-hmm. career. One of my favorite things to do is watch, like, really old stand-up sets and, like, see my favorite comedians when it's, like... This is their first 10 minutes they ever had, like, recorded on film. Like, there's some, like, just... 
beautiful old like Doug Stanhope that sounds completely different than like what he is right now. If yeah. you do digging on YouTube, you can find him when he was like super young. He would wear like completely different outfits. Now he like wears suits and stuff on stage. Back then he'd wear like ripped jeans and be smoking cigarettes the whole time. And, like Right? <clears throat> yeah, I love stuff like that. Like some of Eddie Murphy's first stand-up before he was ever on Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah. That's fun to check out. Check out or Chris Rock. Um, for that matter. I wonder if and, with how like everyone kind of self-censors themselves the more that everything's recorded on the internet all the time. Yeah. If we're losing some of that, like, uh, people being one thing and then, like, evolving into something else. I think sometimes, like, people are afraid to take risks for one thing, and they're afraid to step outside of their original brand, mm -hmm. going, you know, this really isn't working for me. And you really do get stuck. Like, I don't really want to be an empress anymore. I want to be something else. <laughs> and I never especially wanted to be an empress or a queen of anything because it's a little silly. I go play my role. Yeah, well, you're like, you're like but... making fun of a hierarchy at first, and then after a while you're like, I get Stuck the joke. In the role. Like... <laughs> like the joke that stops being a joke after a while. Yeah. Like people, people really take that seriously, and sometimes they get a really wrong impression of what it's like to actually know me yeah, or to be my friend in real life. Like I'm not just going to be this regal person all the time. I want to sit <laughs> around and eat nachos yeah. <laughs> on the floor. That's what I want to do. I'm going to be in jammies. <laughs> That's always a weird dynamic with the entertainment thing too, yeah. is people like develop an idea of you and you're like, You've only seen me at shows, so like when we hang out, right. prepare to be disappointed for this <laughs> this person that you built up in your mind. Like. That's wonderful. I love that. I'm gonna steal that if that's okay. Prepare oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We could go out to dinner. Prepare to be disappointed. Yeah. It's uh, it's IHOP. I eat at IHOP at 3 a.m. That's the right. the regalness of this. You know. I'm not super rich. I don't actually live in a castle, but I make fun of it sometimes by posting pictures on my social media of cool castles, yeah. especially fantasy ones, and going, "This is the Red Palace." Well, castles are fucking super cool, but to live in one, especially in Boise, Idaho, it's millions of dollars. Like, there's one castle here yeah. that I drive by all the time. Well, I don't actually go out there very often. I say all the time, like it's probably been a few months. But, you know, Warm Springs, where mm -hmm. the, it used to be the only way to get to East Boise, but now there's, like, the bound crossing over the river and all that. But if yeah. you keep going down Warm Springs, like, towards the Mesa, there's that one castle on the hill, like, right as you go around towards that golf course or whatever. Yeah. It's been there ever since I was a kid, and there used to be nothing out there. But I've always, like, wondered what the like life of those people is and that the one castle that like overlooks the city of Boise. Right. What's that gotta be like? Probably they're eating nachos on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> Stone floors are extra cold, cool. so <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that'd be really cold. You'd have to wear warm jammies for that shit. Get a throw rug or something. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've looked up like uh there's a a website specifically dedicated to like old castles and like ancient victorian houses and stuff like that uh I look them up like uh randomly they're in all different areas in the united states and it's like 
what would it be like if I just moved to Virginia just to live in a castle? Because, I mean, with the price of stuff here, it'd be cheaper to live in a castle in Virginia. But right. it's more of a fantasy type thing because I know there's nothing going on in that area of Virginia where castles are so cheap. I don't know. I think you'd be able to go and then perform in like washington dc yeah that's true and well for so stand-up probably anywhere would be better than here as far as traveling goes you know but right i mean why it's so ridiculous that boise is now so expensive because five years ago it was one of the most affordable places to live in the country yeah and that's part of why i moved back here uh and now it is so not and you can live so many other cool places for so much less. Not that Boise isn't great. No, it's but, it's pretty cool, you know, but yeah, it, for mean, the so price of living, it. though, it's like, yeah, Not Orlando, L.A., <laughs> New York, they're all in the same competitive housing market as Boise. It's like there's so much more in those places than there is here. Yeah. Well, I guess it depends on, like, what you're looking for, though. I mean, well, you totally could, though. I was looking at houses in LA a year or so back, and they're almost the same price yeah. as Boise, Idaho. It's wild. Yeah. Because I'm from California originally, uh, but I was a part of like the initial Californians moving to Boise because you could sell your house in California and make mm -hmm. enough money to like not only buy a house in Boise but have a nest egg or like start a business or something like that and my parents had lived in Sacramento and then they moved to Northern California for a while and then when they started having kids they're like oh I don't really like the way people are raised around here I'll try to move them somewhere where it's cheaper better environment whatever and that was the idea back then and now they can't afford to live here <laughs> you know right yeah i mean that is all of that is why i came back i had a little boy and like you know maybe seattle isn't necessarily the best place to raise a little kid it's not the worst but it was super expensive to live there at the time and now it costs the same as here yeah <laughs> and on entertainment seattle's big for that yeah so. i did a lot of shows in seattle that were um way bigger than the ones i bring to boise and i still occasionally do seattle shows um but yeah i got really big names up in seattle because people wanted to go play the really big city and mm -hmm. also airfare was cheaper yeah trying to fly people into boise costs twice as much yeah and so <laughs> that is kind of a little bit of a barrier. You know? Is that where you started doing entertainment? Is in no, Seattle? No, I, I started here. Oh, okay. I've been doing... Um, I've been a performer for most of my life. So as a kid, I was a concert pianist. And I also... Ooh. Yeah, I had taken years of piano Like classical from, piano? Yeah, from Ooh. the time I was five. So talk about cutting teeth. I started at five, <laughs> guys. That doesn't mean it's ever too late, but you don't expect to just go start a really good band and not know how to play an instrument. Take some lessons. Mm -hmm. It's okay to take lessons. Well, um, there's layers to music, so yeah. like having that background in piano for that long, ever since you were five, that gives you a huge edge on like music theory and reading music yeah. and notes and melodies and... 
and they they had me doing I'm, I'm rocking I'm fidgeting which I don't normally do when I'm doing stuff like this sorry it's a little chilly oh <laughs> yeah it's that's <laughs> the that's the fridge it's cold as shit in here don't let this little tiny fire fool you it, we're in Boise Idaho in fucking bad. January it's <laughs> not that I'm, I'm nervous it's that I'm chilly so I keep doing this but anyway um and so I was doing that at five and then they had us do me and my sister, we were doing singing lessons and we were performing, um, doing like the rainbow singers doing stuff like that. Um, which is like a national thing that kids would do back then. I don't know if that's still a thing. Um, and so if you search into my history far enough, I wore rainbow candy things <laughs> <laughs> and actually it's kind of weird because the way that the lithium dolls dress is not super far off from that. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> kind of went full circle. You're like, let's go back to 12 years old. <laughs> so if you go back and look, it's like, huh, that is kind of creepy and weird. <laughs> anyway. Do you think that inspired it in some oh, weird way? <laughs> You gotta stick to your roots a little bit. Yeah. I don't advocate that children uh, listen to our music or that people listening to our music should be fantasizing that we are children. Um, both are weird, so don't that, do that. That's um, how I feel about my jokes, but I know, like, <laughs> as a 12 year old, I would have loved the jokes. Right? <laughs> so I'm like, kids, girl, don't listen to this. But me as a kid, I'm like, yeah, I wanna listen to this. Right? <laughs> as a teenage girl, I would have loved my music. And I mean, I was listening to Typo Negative back then. That is certainly not worse than what I am doing. <laughs> yeah. And so there's that. But yeah, I did I did all sorts of music lessons and then drama and art. And I was taking, um, by the time I graduated high school, I was taking college courses in drama. Because here they have that where you can do it through BSU um, in some of the high schools. And especially back then because I'm super old. And so I've been performing for most of my life and doing things like, oh, and I, I was a ballroom dance instructor before I was ever a stripper. Oh, and wow. So I took years of dance lessons too, as a kid and as a teenager. And so I was, um, there's not a lot of money in the ballroom dancing though, in comparison, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, I was doing a ballroom dance. I was training people to do ballroom dance in reno nevada and they were doing national competition and so oh, we were okay. teaching people to be able to compete yeah and so they'll spend a lot of money on that um and so it's kind of funny becoming a stripper after that <laughs> yeah so at 18 i'm teaching ballroom dance lessons got tired of the, the yeah. classy dancing yeah exactly <laughs> like, i want something exciting this is boring stripper. as shit <laughs> yeah you got that strip of money man and so that's way more money than that is. It's true. funny, though, how people will look at that and they're like, oh, a ballroom dance instructor. Yeah. But they're making way less than a stripper. And they're way like, less money. which one should we be putting on a pedestal? Obviously the stripping. <laughs> yeah. And so here in Boise, um, it's been about 22 years this year. Uh, my very first event that I hosted in Boise was called the Exotica Fetish Ball. I probably should have picked a different name, but I was young and stupid. So it, it was an homage to the exotic erotic ball in San Francisco, because at one point I lived there. I traveled around a lot and still do. Um, and so that was my very first event that I ever did. And it was at the Torch, 
and I convinced the owner of the torch to let me throw a party for my birthday. Oh. Uh, and it so that was your in to do the yeah. first fetish ball? Yeah, and I didn't think of myself as wanting to be a promoter yet. I just wanted to have a fetish ball for my birthday. Oh. <laughs> and we got a couple thousand people through the door. Damn. For my first event. Um, and yeah, so that that was a lot of instant success a little too fast. <laughs> yeah, kind of like, I didn't really think through whether or not this is what I want, but I guess I'm doing it. And so from there, I became the party planner for the torch for a number of years. And you have to be pre prepared if you're going to have a lot of in instant success a little too fast that you're going to crash a lot later on. Mm. It's okay that that <clears throat> happens. And know that it's going to happen. That's part of the experience. And so you think that's because you get me. comfortable with thinking, you know, like, oh, this has always worked out this way, and you, you know, it's because you didn't learn your building blocks, ah. and because you didn't cut your teeth, and you didn't learn what actually is the formula for for success. Some stuff just either worked out by luck mm -hmm. or because you hired someone to help you or because somebody financially backed you or you knew somebody and for me it was all of those things mm -hmm. and i mean i grew up my mother was in marketing and so i grew up in around that and so i had a good backing in marketing but not necessarily in dealing with show type people even though i had been performing for most of my life when you get into this sort of show type thing, instead of things like ballroom dance and classical dance, <laughs> yeah, different you type are of people, with <laughs> a lot of different types of people, and you do not know how to manage them, <laughs> and you don't know that for a while. So, oh, I'm yeah. sure there's some characters. <laughs> oh, like yes. there's already plenty of characters in the entertainment industry, and when you're in like a niche like that, I'm sure there's some wild personalities. Yes, there is, and you will have a bad time sometimes <laughs> because you didn't know what you were doing or how to manage these sorts of people. And had I started just doing smaller shows, um, which eventually we did a lot smaller shows here in Boise. And, and that's all good, but it, had I been doing smaller bands and smaller shows and things like that, I would have started with smaller egos and progressively built up instead of instantly big ego. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's got to be a tough thing when you start out with like all that instant success. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you learned a lot, like full circle going around to like all different levels of things. You have your hands in a lot of different areas in the entertainment industry and you've kind of found what you like doing and stick with that. Yeah. And there's always <clears throat> more to learn though, or you forget your building blocks and have to go back to the beginning. You always go back to those building blocks. And uh, there's a really good book, How to Sell Yourself, from Joe Girard that was written, I think, in the 70s. That's it's, the title of it, How to Sell Yourself? Yeah. And um, you can get pick it up for pretty cheap, too, because he's dead. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so artists get famous after they die. Authors get the $1 section at a thrift store. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he is one of the best salesmen ever. And it's an important book to read if you're ever going to market yourself in anything. 
And that's one of the things he talks about is if you're finding that you are getting stagnant and you don't know why when it comes to sales, go back to your basics that you learned at the beginning of this book and start doing them step by step and one by one because the problem isn't that people don't want what you have mm -hmm. and what you're trying to sell to them. The problem is that you have forgotten your building blocks and you need to go back to step one. Okay. And it is a very important point. So there's always more to learn and you always also have to relearn and do that stuff again from back to the beginning. Yeah. Well, and that's yeah. kind of a, a call back to what we were talking about at the very beginning of this episode about when you book a performer them forgetting all the things <clears throat> that got them to that place where you put them up on the stage is that also you were doing all this stuff before the show doing all this stuff after the show ensuring that people would come promoting yourself being personable and then once you get marginal success Along the way, you start losing those things and stop doing them as much. And then you're like, why are things not working out all of a right. sudden? And it's like, well, remember when you first started, how much effort you put in to making sure all your shows were good and all your shows were full. Why are you not doing that anymore? Yeah. Well, and think about it. Like, big names have done this. Think about when Freddie Mercury decided he was so awesome, he didn't need his band anymore mm -hmm. and did his solo album and it was so much bullshit and everyone hated it so many artists have done that <laughs> and he crashed and burned so fucking hard freddie mercury of all people think about the shows that freddie mercury put on and the force of nature that man is and yeah, once he's amazing. before he fell on his fucking face yeah, but no one ever remembers the Freddie Mercury face. songs. They remember yeah. the Queen songs. You know? Queen. <laughs> and he went back to doing Queen, remembered his formula. Oh yeah, went back, had to apologize to everyone. <laughs> yeah, it's like my ego got a little too big, guys. Like, right, it's a team effort. Or, or Jim Morrison, where he was getting wasted and falling off fucking stages for fucking ever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and he's doing that shit and people thought that was cool kind of at first with the rock star lifestyle and then they stopped going yeah if, you, if more shows end up without him show. being able to do the show than not then you're like well this is no longer like a fun thing to buy a ticket to it's a waste of money yeah, and he screwed up a whole lot, and then he had to go back to Meg Ryan, and then he did better. <laughs> <laughs> That's the movie. <laughs> yeah. And then he did better he missed, for a little he bit. He missed the witch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love that movie. I'm a big Jim Morrison fan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jim Morrison really was awesome, but he screwed himself for a while and fell on his fucking face a number of times before he figured out i have let my ego get in the way and now i'm also impotent <laughs> yeah well you could tell in the music too like as it gets later on it's less of like that raw jim morrison and more of like this stage persona jim morrison that's been built up to him by like all of these people loving and adoring him and then him eventually thinking like oh well i don't have to show yeah. up they're just put my name on the bill and that's all i have to do you know and then it's like 
well, if you're falling down halfway through the first song, like you're never going to make it to the end of the show, do that enough and you're not going to have an audience anymore. And the audience is what made you. So Yes, exactly that. So not only do you have to have cutting your teeth time, eventually you're going to fall on your fucking face and you're probably going to do it more than once. And that is okay. It's important to recognize, yep, I have done it. I have hit my spot where I have fallen on my fucking face. I have now developed some kind of an addiction. I have now gotten so full of my ego that I am not being an entertainer, that I am not doing my job correctly, that I kind of suck. And it's time to pull back. It's time to maybe get sober. It's if, if that was the problem, it's time to start meditating and practicing mindfulness perhaps well, instead remembering of those building blocks like what you're talking remembering about remembering those building blocks go back and apologize to your band yeah <laughs> i think that fan base that's one reason why i'm a huge kendrick lamar fan too is because like in the height of his success his second platinum album he's like winning grammys his biggest song on that album is be humble and the whole lyrics behind that is like him remembering you started with nothing like you're yeah. you have no food nothing remember that when you're at the height of everything and then you won't take it for granted you know? yeah and so all of that is important and i am sure by the time my career is done i'm gonna fall on my face a few more fucking times and it's gonna be great <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you're ready to embrace it though and embrace you're not gonna let shit off. wreck you so yeah, you know I think that it's important in life. I, I do MMA uh, not quite as often as I used to. I used to be a ring girl for MMA, too. We'll just talk Hell about yeah. that. I, I do a lot <laughs> of shit. You have to embrace life to the fullest. Do as much as you can because you're gonna die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and do you want to remember that in this life, you were wasted and a waste do you want to remember that all you did was sit around and and watch nothing all the time i mean don't get me wrong i like to settle in at the end of my day and and watch something some kind of horror movie mm -hmm. but during the day i'm doing stuff and yeah you want to experience life and not yeah. just like live vicariously through screens of other people's experiences you're like Let's get out there and have some excitement and have some memories and some things that I can look back and be proud on. And maybe some things I'm not proud of, but I felt something yeah. in that time as opposed to just like observing life. Yeah. Don't be afraid to fall on your face. It is okay. It's good for you. So doing MMA, you got to get punched in the face. Like Hell early yeah. on. <laughs> early on when you're le learning martial arts, you get punched in the face so that you learn not to fear being punched in the face yeah if you learn to embrace i'm gonna take a hit it's gonna yeah. happen sounds like skateboarding <laughs> yes i, I longboard yeah and so yeah you're gonna fall learn to fall and learn to roll when you fall so you don't break nothing cool yeah learn to get punched in the face learn to fall off your board learn to roll when you get those punches and that is a great thing to have happen to you that yeah, I just got punched in the face and it fucking sucked. And now I feel like shit for a while, but I'm rolling with it. I'm going to adapt to that punch because when you fear being punched in the face, 
You're not taking risks. Mm-hmm. You're not throwing punches of your own. Yeah. You're busy blocking, and you've got your fists up being defensive against the world. Learn to drop them a little bit and throw punches of your own and, and ride that board, you know? That's, yeah. that's you can't, so important. You can't be too safe. No. You can't be too safe. you got to create safety in a certain way that makes sense because there's also a balance to that if all you're doing is taking uncalculated risks you're gonna take a bath on shows you're gonna fuck up a lot you're not taking the time to learn your craft and learn your industry you're just out there um almost narcissistically at that point because that's the true part of the true definition of that not memes on the internet telling you that everyone who hurts <laughs> your feelings is one yeah. but if all you're doing is taking insane risks that make no sense you're also fucking up and then you're going to take nothing but face punches you know mm-hmm. bob and weave a little bit have a strategy but you gotta find that balance yeah all of this stuff is good hey we're talking life philosophy today (laughs) well and we're we're over an hour now so i mean we we should wrap up yeah (laughs) but i do want to give you an opportunity to like remind everybody everywhere they can follow you upcoming shows this will come out the wednesday before valentine's day so i mean you could talk about anything prior to that but if you want to promote shows after the the twelfth or whatever that Wednesday is before Valentine's Day, anything after that, people will be able to hear it. And then, obviously, any social media, any upcoming stuff, anything you're excited about. Okay, awesome. Well, um, you can check out most of my shows on Wicked Wonderland Empire on just about any platform, like we were saying earlier, and uh, Lithium Dolls also on most platforms um you can buy our music on just about everywhere because of that very nice distribution backing yeah Um, very popular you can buy dolls at the shows so see the lithium dolls live to get one of those cool dolls we were talking about yeah you totally can um i have a website that you can buy merch and stuff um so it's wickedwonderlandempire.square.site um it is not a .com. <laughs> <laughs> and you can follow me personally as the red double D's. I have double D's <laughs> red uh, empress on um, a number of platforms as well. So there's all the stuff where you can follow me and find my shows and um, book shows with me. I work with a lot of promoters around the country too as putting on Wicked Wonderland events with them. They have to meet certain standards in order to put our name on and also follow certain basic rules for their events for um, public safety. Yeah, you don't want to get wrapped up in anything with what you've worked so hard to build that's not part of your brand or something that your brand's comfortable with. And I also like to just know, so I let other promoters just steal our rules from me i don't care please take them um that people are treating each other in a certain way it shows especially when you're running fetish events their consent is very important and knowing how to follow consent and protocol in the right way so um, that's got to be a tricky thing at fetish events just like it is in like the strip club world because people 
as outsiders going into that have all different ideas of what they think this is as yeah. opposed to like these people are entertainers they're here to do a show they're not here for whatever weird shit you've got going on <laughs> you know well, and because things are so interactive a lot of people think they can show up and just spank whoever and grab whoever and do whatever and um you can't you need to get that person's enthusiastic consent first mm -hmm. and enthusiasm isn't following them around till they agree or waiting till they're passed out somewhere um and yeah that sounds predatory that is predatory Imagine but i'm sure that. those events <laughs> attract that kind of stuff too which is why it's, it's got to be harder in that environment is because people are drawn to that type of situation mm -hmm. where they think they can get away with something that normally they wouldn't be able to get away with. So that's got to be like a harder thing for you guys to deal with at those shows because in a lot of public situations, there's no spanking. Yeah. <laughs> but then they see people spanking. They're like, Oh, we can just spank whoever. They're like, Fuck no, no, no. <laughs> that guy asked, you're going to have to ask. Like, you have to ask. Some people are a spanker and some people are a spanky and you can't just go ran and some people are a spanky, but they don't want spanks from you. Yeah. So that's very important. And maybe they wanted spanks from you 20 minutes ago and now they don't. And they're allowed to withdraw at any time. That's fine. Yeah, So definitely. we regulate that pretty hard. Um, well, that's good. Yeah. And then it makes performers feel safe. It makes people that go to the events more comfortable. So it's yes. like a good time enjoyed by all. There's no weird stuff that people are like, oh, I don't want to see that again. Or I don't want to go to that again because this bad thing happened. Yeah. You have that strict set of rules and that helps keep everyone safe and happy. Yes, exactly. So calculated risk taking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, it sounds like that's kind of a theme of the whole thing. Yeah, there we <laughs> Awesome. Well, I'm super glad to have you on the show. I'd love to have you on again sometime too. And I wish you the best of luck and sold out shows on all your events. Uh, if you guys want to look at my upcoming shows or follow me on social media, go to jakeamartin.com. And then also, if you want to be a guest on the show, you have any questions, comments about this podcast, email me at fridgefriendspodcast at gmail.com. I forgot that I brought you presents. Oh, presents. But also, yeah. buy his merch. So yeah. this is a, it's a wine glass ring. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a wine charm. It goes Wicked around Wonderland. the stem of the glass, or yeah, you put it, it on the edge? Yeah, it goes around the stem, and then you know it's yours. Okay, it's from Wicked Wonderland? From oh, Wicked yeah. Wonderland, and this is from Lithium Dolls, and it's a little lip kiss charm necklace. oh cute hell yeah. yeah so you got little merch buy yeah his merch. you see all my trinkets and stuff back there yeah. i love this shit that's definitely going in here yeah. <laughs> and and buy his stuff and also put things in his virtual tip jar yeah yeah you go to that website jkmartin.com it's got my venmos and everything on there if you guys are feeling generous but i would love to just have you come to live shows that's where you'll get the most out of me and where you'll get an opportunity to in-person buy merch if you want to. I appreciate you all. Subscribe, share the podcast, and join me again next week. Woo! <laughs>